Welcome to another edition of San Joaquin Spotlight. This is a public affairs broadcast. We're airing on CMAC, Comcast, 93 and AT&T, 99 on the, in the area of Fresno and Clovis, but we're also on radio in the Central Valley of California, Talk Radio 1550, KXEX, and finally, we're on the World Wide Web, Anchor FM, a Spotify company. We're on Spotify as well, as well as other podcast medians. Our guest this week has been a guest of ours in the past. She's a past. She's an author. She's a journalist, has written some very interesting books and has a lot of interesting stories. Kathy Scott. Kathy, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Well, the reason I invited you back this time on the program is one of your books that you wrote is about Christopher Wallace, who is notorious B.I.G. or big in the rap world. Now, in March is the anniversary of his passing. And in fact, it wasn't really a passing. It was a murder, his murder. And so, you know, he came on the scene very fast. And I'll, I'll talk to you a little bit about him, but very fast, made it big, very fast. And unfortunately, his life ended as well. And I hear his music still being played today. In fact, I was at somewhere the other day and they were playing his music. I play his music as well. Kathy, you wrote a book about Christopher Wallace. First and foremost, talk about who he was. Well, Biggie was uh, um, he was a kid who grew up with a single mom who was a substitute teacher um, uh, and then full time teacher at some point in bedside, you know, um, uh, Brooklyn, uh, New York, and um, had, had I mean, he, he had sit down dinners every night. He was he you know, he had a good childhood every Every summer he spent in um, Jamaica with his grandfather because his mother was from uh, Jamaica, born and raised. And then when he was, um, you know, junior high school, middle school age and and high school, he started beat, beat rapping, you know, beep up on the corner and um, kind of, you know, got better and better and then took some of the kids off the you know, from the neighborhood and made a backup group for himself. But his big break was when um, he cut a CD and and a friend uh, passed it on to someone for him. So, before, and then before we continue about him and then the tragic murder, his mom, Valletta Wallace, I've heard such nice things about her. In fact, uh, I was able to find a phone number for her. I've reached out to her and I'm going to, have her on the program, hopefully, as well. She seems like such a sweet, nice lady when she talks. I've watched interviews with her. You've met her. What do you have to say about Valletta? And I've interviewed her at length. Um, she um, she loved her son, you know, and she she just, you know, she's just a humble person from a humble background, but a very hard worker. And she always said, you know, um, Biggie wasn't raised in poverty, although he rapped about that sort of thing. You know, he he um, he came from a good good background. He had an uncle who was like a father to him. His father left when he was very young. He was a baby. And um, but Valletta, um, her one purpose was 
And she told me she wasn't going to stop pushing until they solved his murder. And then LAPD. And then at some point she sued the LAPD for, for not, um, you know, not investigating it properly and, and abruptly dropped that. But she's, her whole thing, um, he, he was her only child, you know, and, and, um, uh, and she inherited half of his estate, but um, she just is a simple, simple person, uh, quite different from Afeni Shakur, who all Afeni cared about was she couldn't bring her son back, Tupac. Um, so her thing was, um, you know, rest and soul, Afeni Shakur, Tupac's mother. Her thing was to keep his legacy alive. And that, um, that, isn't what uh, Valetta's purpose has been. And I know that mothers rappers. And I I know that there was a Christopher Wallace foundation started uh, for Christopher. And when we ever talked to her, to his mom, Valetta, I'd like to talk about that and see what the goals are of that. But, you know, in your opinion, Christopher, the rapper made it big fast, correct? I mean, it was, it was quick. It, it was quick. And it was quick because he, um, and he, he dropped out of high school at 17 against his mother's wishes. And um, it was, it was quick because he was, you know, he was, he was uh, rapping, cutting, cutting lyrics in, you know, garages with neighborhood kids. And he cut a CD and he wanted to get it to somebody. And he was able to hand it off to a buddy of a buddy of a buddy who got it to one um, Sean Combs, you know, P. Diddy. And, and, and he didn't have a telephone number for him, Puffy Combs, P. Diddy, whatever you want to call him now. Diddy, is that what he's going by? Um uh-huh. I think it's Diddy now. So he um he didn't have any way to contact him. And so he just went to bedside and drove around and and Biggie hung out on the corner, you know, near near Michael's um barbershop. And I went there and and you know, I went to the whole area and, and talked to a lot of people. But um so that and that was he offered him he offered him a a, a deal at like what was he? 18 17 18 and he offered him a deal and and um the rest is history and he took off i mean they called him the you know the velvet you know teddy bear because his he had such a warm sound to his voice and um you know and he was in his he was he was he hadn't peaked yet his first album was releasing when he was cut down what got you interested in writing about him? You've written about Tupac Shakur as well, as well as other very interesting topics. But what got you specifically interested in writing about Christopher Wallace? Because we'll talk about it later. But And you mentioned it here in the interview that you actually visited where he's from. You visited Valletta, the mom. What got you interested in writing about Christopher? Well, I was a, a crime reporter, you know, police police beat reporter in, in Las Vegas at the Las Vegas sun when Tupac was shot and um, Tupac was shot on my watch. And um, I was at the hospital when Tupac died and, and, and that became a book. 
and then it was, you know, and Tupac and Biggie were rivals. And it, it just was, you know, an obvious thing to do. One of the biggest reasons I like to write about the underdog, their crimes weren't being solved. Biggie Small's crime was not being solved. It was like, what are the police doing? It's like they were stalling. So I, I put some sunshine on it and I wrote a book about it. The crime is unsolved, but there are several theories. You lay out some theories. So what are some of the theories that you've kind of heard about in writing the book? And what do you really think happened? Who really is responsible for the murder? Well, I don't go on theories. I write about the theories. I lay them out for the reader to, to decide. But I believe in, in facts and evidence and, you know, <clears throat> means, motive, and opportunity are the three things. And um, early on, um, early on, the LAPD had, um, had a couple of people in their sights, including David Mack, who was a police officer at the time and was best buddies with uh, Suge Knight. Tupac Shakur's um, record producer and um, the police were stalling and the word word was out that that um, I mean it was an Impala at the scene a man by the name of Harry Billups owned an Impala they found it in his garage um, same color same everything um, and he he was um, good friends with David Mack who was good friends with um, Suge Knight and Suge, um, it was almost as if, if Suge Knight ordered the hit because that is what the police discovered and what an FBI agent swears by. If Suge Knight ordered the hit and David Mack hired Harry Billups, um, Amar Mohammed is his, his second name, I guess, Harry Billups, to do it. Um, it was because almost had a jealousy, Tupac's main moneymaker, Tupac, or uh, Suge Knight's main, main moneymaker, uh, Tupac Shakur was, was gone. And Puffy Combs still had his big singer who was, who was Biggie Smalls. And it was almost like that whole East Coast, West Coast, stupid rap war talk um, it's almost like he wanted to play into that and make it bigger and and just cause you know stir things up. And um, I think the motive was jealousy, and he hated Sean Combs, and and that is the most plausible um, based on the facts. Everything else is a bunch of uh, theories, you know. I mean, Biggie Smalls killed Tupac Shakur. It's all a bunch of hooey. Biggie Smalls wasn't in. Um, in uh vegas at the time so that was debunked pretty quickly and what's sad to me about this is not only did two potential i mean they had a lot of potential tupac and biggie but what's sad to me is two young adults with futures in front of them and families were murdered because of i think it's a misunderstanding i mean what are your thoughts about this don't you think this is maybe a misunderstanding between this war going back and forth i mean 
uh, Biggie has rapped about it, and in his words, he says so-called beef with you know who. I mean, it's just odd to me that it would elevate to this level. Well, um, Tupac and Biggie were were high profile, you know, so everything that went on, you know, was was out there in the media quite a bit. But but it it, it is sad because Tupac. To, the beef started at Quad Studios in Manhattan. Before that, Tupac was bigger than Biggie. Biggie was um, kind, uh, kind of an unknown, not in the neighborhood, but you know he was an unknown. So Tupac used to go on stage and he would take his buddy Biggie on stage with him. So Tupac helped make him big. And um, Tupac would go pick him up in his limousine and they go, they go, you know, play, they go to a bar and play foosball and, and all that and hang out in Manhattan. And, and he was, he was a good friend to Biggie and helped him. And then, and then one night um, Tupac was in, was this 90, 93, 94, Tupac was going to, he promised to be a backup singer for somebody, Biggie Smalls, and uh, and uh, his backup crew, his backup singers, and and um, Combs were all at Quad Studios in a studio recording. You know, they rented the studio. They were recording. I went to Quad Studios twice. I've interviewed you know managers and stuff on the phone as well, but. So Tupac comes in and as he's entering, there are some guys who jump him and his homies and um, he, uh, Tupac gets shot. But it turns out that Tupac went and reached for his own gun, which was in his belt, in his belt and Tupac shot off one of his own testicles. And, and um, what it was, was these thugs dressed in cami, cami, clothing ripped off $35,000 but just tore necklaces and everything else off of Tupac and, and his friends and got away with about $35,000 worth of jewelry. Quad Studios did not have, they had a video um, camera, but they did not have any tape in it. And Tupac, um, that was it. Uh, Tupac, in the meantime, had had he was in New York because he had an appearance in court the next morning, went to the hospital that night, appeared in court in a wheelchair, bandaged up. And his finger was shot as well. And from that. So then Tupac ended up in jail for that case and in jail, people were telling him, hey, it was Biggie, it was Biggie, it was Biggie at Quad Studios. Tupac bought it. And that was the beef. And and after that, um, uh, Biggie couldn't get a hold of him. He didn't. He's you know, you tried to shoot me. You tried to shoot me. And that was the nexus and the start of the East Coast, West Coast rap war. Quad Studios and that night and Tupac believing something people were telling him. When do there was believe, no evidence. Do you believe it? Do you believe that that was the reason? It it was a um, Tupac. It was a crime of opportunity. Tupac and his buddies were his homies were walking to Quad Studios in New York, like eleven o'clock at night, and 
Uh, everybody was expecting it quad, him at Quad Studios and Biggie was up. They were looking through windows and the balconies and stuff to watch for him. And they're walking along. These guys have gigantic, you know, chains of gold around their necks. And Tupac's cousin, Randy, was the stretch was with him. Another guy was with him. I think there were three. I think it was a total of four people, and three or four. And they're all just, you know gold hanging all over their necks and and i think it was a crime of opportunity the guys who saw them on the street followed him inside to the lobby ripped everything off of them and ran they couldn't find him there was uh no you know no um the i don't think well tupac wasn't cooperating with the police so it was a manhattan police department on on, on um uh in that was covering it, but or, or investigating it, and they said Tupac wouldn't wouldn't cooperate, and they closed the case. I mean, it, it it's you know it's a snatch and grab. Those are common. You know, people get you know on on. You know, I've always been told if you go to New York and you ride the ride the subway, don't wear jewelry. You know, because you can you you know wear 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 tennis shoes so you can run, and and don't wear jewelry and don't carry a purse and. Uh, because there's snatch and grabs and that appears to be it, it's the only plausible thing there's nobody claimed it that they tried to kill him and that was that was that and but Tupac just you know was, for some reason because Tupac Biggie was upstairs those guys were upstairs they weren't downstairs so you know, they had nothing to do with it. And they were shown on camera, worried about him because he was taken away by an ambulance. And, um, but that's, that's that. And, and, you know, it just showed, and that's the, the start of the bad blood between the two of them. And it wasn't, it was not warranted on, on Tupac's case on his side. You went to the place where Biggie, Christopher Wallace would rap in the streets Tell us a little bit about is was that a rough neighborhood? Talk about the atmosphere around there. Well, there was there was graffiti and stuff like that. I used to hang out at Mike's barbershop. I went to the barbershop, went to the corner market. I go into the corner market and and it, it was owned by the father of of a Biggie's best friend growing up. And um he happened to be there. And so I interviewed them. The streets were, um, I, I didn't, I didn't feel unsafe, but I went during the day. I took a bus and not the, um, I took the, the subway. And then I, I was told by pe people, if you're going into bedside, take a bus, don't take the subway. So I did. So I took precautions, but I don't, um, I never felt, um, you know, that I, I was at risk, but I, I don't think it was the best neighborhood, but it wasn't the worst. And a lot of kids um, were, were, you know, latchkey kids. So they'd come home from school and their parents are gone at work or wherever, and they'd be on the corners rapping. And, and so, I mean, there were drugs in the neighborhood and there were that sort of thing. So, I mean, it, it you know, it wasn't Beverly Hills, but but it wasn't as bad as it could get it wasn't it wasn't the worst ghetto you'd ever go to and um you know a lot of rappers you know came out of there little kim you know she she also rapped on 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 the corner and that's where 
that's where he be, you know, that's where he learned his craft, you know? So, but I, I, um, I, I mean, there were walk-ups. He lived in a, in a walk-up, you know, apartment and, um, uh, you know, nice houses built, um, you know, built as just neighborhood, you know, regular neighborhoods. And, and it, and it went downhill as time went on, but it's also where, um, comedian Chris Rock grew up there you know, and Bed-Stuy and, and he, he talks about it a lot. And I don't think they felt unsafe living there. Valletta Wallace told me what a nice neighborhood it was. Biggie started wearing red and, you, you know, the, the sports, you know, type gang type things. And he hid the clothing on the roof of his building and his mom his and he would, he would leave to go to school and then he'd go up up to the roof and get his his gang attired to because he was becoming a little thug and his mom caught him and just wouldn't let him go outside for a week and wouldn't let him wear the clothes and stuff like that she kept a tight rein on him so he um you know it, it wasn't a bad upbringing for him in probably a bad neighborhood we're running out of time this week on the program, but I'd like for you to tell us about your book, talk about what's next for you, and where can we find more information about all the stuff you're working on? Well, the um, I I released the uh, um, second edition of uh, of the murder of Biggie Smalls um, late last year, and it's available on Amazon. and it, And I am working on two books. One is Two, mur <clears throat> two murders in uh, La Jolla, California of two teenagers in 1978, 1984, um, mutilated, killed, um, uh, beaten to death. And uh, it, it's, uh, they've named a suspect, but um, it's uh, not official. And that that's one book. And then also um, your listeners might be familiar with um, the Queen of True Crime and Rule. So I am in the process of writing a book proposal for um, the um, biography of uh, Anne Rule. I got to know her before she died. She died about five or six years ago. She was about 80, 85 years old, I think, 84. Final thoughts. Christopher Wallace, Tupac Shakur. Is it important still to remember these stories and remember the a uh, person that is out there performing. I mean, remember the performers they were. I think I think remembering the performers they were is, is better than remembering all the hoopla surrounding the the two of them. I mean, they had a huge impact on on hip hop and rap, and and really helped it go uh, mainstream. You know, both of them, and and so I think their legacies live on, and the impact they had on. I mean, there are kids in in high school who. Who, who are big fans today so their 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 music lives on and and i think through their music that you know biggie smalls lives on that's all for this edition of san joaquin spotlight thank you to our audience members listening to this broadcast on cmac comcast 93 and at&t 99 thank you to those listening to us on radio talk radio 1550 kx 
EX. And to those listening on Anchor FM, a Spotify product, and we're also on Spotify, thank you again to Kathy Scott, author, journalist, has written many books. Today she was here talking about Christopher Wallace, also known as Notorious B.I.G. or Biggie, and the murder of Biggie, which occurred in March, uh, late 90s, 1997. Thank you again, Kathy, for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm your host, Sevag Tatiosian. Tune in next week to a new edition. This program was made possible in part by FaceLogic Essential Skin Care and Spa in Clovis.